Amen. That's right. That's right. He's on the throne, isn't he? God didn't do anything by accident. We know he's in charge of everything. I praise him for that tonight. Amen. If you'll stand with us, Second Corinthians chapter 2, and I want to say while you're standing, I've enjoyed the day, enjoyed what God has blessed us with. It's always good to spend money on souls, isn't it? Amen. That's what. That's why we receive offerings, keep the doors open, keep the bills paid, but I always like spending money on uh, winning souls. Amen. And I appreciate uh, this church being liberal in their giving and, and helping others along, along the way. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 1. Paul said, But I determined this within myself, that I would not come again to you in heaviness. For if I make you sorry, who is then... That maketh me glad, but the same which is made sorry by me. Verse 3. And I wrote this same unto you, lest when I come I should have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice, having confidence in you all that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote unto you with many tears, not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for the... Good Spirit of God in this place tonight. Lord, I want to thank you for the good choir singing. Lord, how our hearts have been encouraged and the good testimonies tonight and for the offering that was received. And Lord, we thank you for your blessings financially on our church. And I pray for the next few moments you'll touch, Lord, these lips of clay and help us, Lord, to only say what would be pleasing in thy sight. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. I want to preach a message tonight that... I'm quite certain would be uh, what I would say prevented maintenance. And uh, what I mean by that is is that I'm not preaching this uh, in the sense that this is necessarily a problem in the church, although it could be something that I would not be aware of. But, uh, you know, sometimes as a pastor you preach things that God puts in your heart that are not sermons because there's a prevalent problem, but it's, it's sermons because that it's just laying a foundation and it's just teaching and it's just educating and it's just helping the church to, to be stronger so that problems don't arise. And I always think it's better to deal with issues before they get here as it is to deal with them when they are here. And we know sometimes we have to do that. But in this text here tonight, Paul is talking to the uh, Corinthians and that in this chapter here, in verses 1 through uh, 3, Paul lays out his purpose as Paul is about to deal uh, with three matters in this chapter. He's going to uh, deal in these early verses concerning his tears uh, and then he's going to deal in verse number 5 down to verse number 13 concerning a transgressor, one that has sinned and has repented and the church is now under obligation to forgive him because he has truly repented. And then in verses 14 down through verse number 17, uh, Paul is going to deal with his triumph as he said in verse 14 but thanks uh, or now thanks be unto God which always causeth us to triumph in Christ amen now Paul was an encourager isn't that right 
Paul was a man that uh, believed in encouraging others and, and Paul is wanting to encourage this church here but when you come to verse number four tonight which is our text here uh, Paul uh, talks to the church of Corinth and in this, church, in this verse here he reveals his affliction and his anguish of heart as he says for out of much affliction and anguish of heart notice he said I wrote unto you with many tears that is Paul's affection that he is shedding tears over these people here not that you should be grieved, but that you might know uh, the love which I have more abundantly unto you. And that's Paul's agenda. He loved the church of Corinth. Now, I want to say this about the church of Corinth tonight. If you go back and you read the, the book of 1 Corinthians, you find that this was a very gifted church. Isn't that right? Uh, the Bible says they came behind in no gift. Uh, uh, they was a very gifted church, but we also see that they was a very carnal church. Uh, even though they were gifted, there wasn't a whole lot of spiritual people in the church of Corinth. And you know that's a proof tonight that no matter how much talent and no matter how much ability or how many gifts a church may have that if they don't, the gifts do not prove or does not confirm the fact that we have spirituality. Amen. The reason for that is because the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Amen. And listen, just because God has given you and I a gift which he has given to every believer, my friend, that does does not mean that we are spiritual just because we have that gift. And so this was a very carnal. It was a very worldly church. And, and Paul has dealt with several issues uh, in the book of Corinthians. And it is because of that uh, that Paul is very heavy uh, in heart because of this church. In other words, this congregation of people has brought much anguish and has brought much uh, affliction to the heart of the apostle Paul. Now, with that thought in mind tonight, I want to preach on this subject on don't grieve your preacher. Don't grieve your preacher. You say, Brother Gravely, you can't preach that because you're the pastor. You need to bring somebody else in. Well, uh, listen, I'm commanded to preach the whole counsel of God. Isn't that right? And if you would pastor a Baptist church for six months, I promise you, you would want to preach what I'm preaching on tonight. So after 20-something years of pastoring, uh, I can firmly tell you tonight uh, uh, that there is nothing that hurts anymore and there is nothing that will keep you up anymore at night than when someone grieves the man of God. I'm not preaching this tonight with any kind of agenda or any kind of attitude. I'm just preaching it, number one, because it's in the Word of God. And I'm preaching it, number Number two, because I've been given command to preach the whole counsel of the word of God. And then I'm preaching it number three because the Holy Ghost put it in my heart and it might just be that what I'm preaching tonight may save all of us grief and all of us heartache somewhere down life's road. I've never seen a time when what I'm talking about tonight needs to, preach more, needs to be preached more than it is right now. You see, there's something happening in our churches tonight that the average member sitting in the pew does not ever come to the realization of. And that is, is that our churches are not getting more spiritual, they're getting more carnal. We're burying old-time religion, one godly saint at a time. And them older saints that sit amongst us tonight are mature saints. They're saints that are solid. They're saints that need very little maintenance. You know why that is? Because every day they maintenance their life in the word of God in prayer. 
to a man of God and to a church, a congregation. They are the backbone, the pillars of that church. They're what holds that church together. Their prayers and their consistency, their ability to go on even when their body is failing and when problems in their own life have come uh, to, to, to light, but yet they just somehow find enough spiritual strength uh, and stamina to just rise above their own situations and just press on. Uh, they have been taught by men of God of old uh, how to respect the office of a pastor, how to respect the church itself, uh, how to carry themselves in the community. And my friend, what we're losing when we lose one of them uh, is not being replaced for the most part in our churches. Amen. The opposite side of that is that there is a generation that has grown up in church uh, that's never been taught to take the responsibility of the church uh, upon their shoulders. Uh, they've never been taught to be faithful to the house of God. Uh, they've been taught to engage in so many other activities. Uh, uh, that church is just simply one of the things that they do throughout the week. Amen. And because they don't have a personal prayer life uh, and because they don't spend time in the word of God, uh, they may have be saved for 25 and 30 years, uh, but they've not grown spiritually in the Lord. Amen. They have very little separation and standards in their life. Uh, they've not committed themselves and devoted themselves to the Lord like that older generation. They've not been taught to respect authority. And for the most part, they've been given more uh, than what they should have been given to and not taught to work for and earn what they have. Uh, and so therefore, even when they come to church, uh, they don't see church as a privilege. Uh, they see it as a right. Amen. And that's the day that we're living in. And because of that, friend, uh, our churches are suffering tonight. And Paul says in verse number one, he said, I determined within myself uh, that I would not come again to you in heaviness. What is Paul saying? Paul says to this church, you have brought so much heaviness to my soul that I am writing you a second letter and when I see you face to face I'm hoping that you will have straightened up and will have straightened everything out so that when we get there uh, that we don't have to deal with the issues that we've had to deal with in the previous book. Paul dealt with so many things uh, that grieved him as a man of God. He dealt with so many things that kept him up at night. Can I tell you something? Uh, your pastor should not have to shed any tears of sorrow over you. He or to only shed tears of joy. Amen. He can, shed, he can shed tears of sorrow with you, uh, uh, but he ought not have to shed tears of sorrow over you. You should have not brought grief to the man of God, nor grief to the church. Amen. You say, Brother Gravely, that works both ways, and it does. Uh, but I'm not preaching to me tonight. I'm preaching to you. Amen. We'll get to me another night. I promise that. Uh, but I'm just simply telling you tonight uh, that I've preached revivals uh, and I've said across the table too many times uh, with men of God and with pastors uh, with broken hearts and tears dripping off their chin uh, and their wives broken hearted uh, because uh, there may be 150 good sheep uh, but that one devil that's running around and stirring the pot and stirring trouble uh, is what keeps them awake at night. Amen. And I thought to myself how sad that is because even in a congregation this size they ought not ever be anyone in this church that would cause anybody grief. Amen. 
We ought to be careful how we handle ourselves, careful how we treat each other. We ought to be careful with the words we say and the things that we do. And I want to tell you something, friend. I want to be an an asset to a church and to a man of God. I sure don't want to be a liability. Amen. But what happens in the average church today is you've got some member that will stir up a little something and they'll go home and pillow their head and get a good night's rest uh, while the man of God or his wife uh, stays up all hours of the night praying and worrying and agonizing over the church because that's what real men of God do. They watch for the souls and they watch for the sheep and many times they just go home and get a good night's rest and my friend, while the preacher or his wife is grieved over what they have said or done. Now I probably won't get a lot of shouts tonight over this but it needs to be preached tonight. And it don't need to be preached for my sake. It needs to be preached for this church's sake. And what Paul dealt with tonight in the church of Corinth and what he is saying to them is that these things, uh, you see, Paul was tough, amen? Uh, Paul was a very tough individual. When you look at the life of Paul, he had been shipwrecked. Uh, he had been stoned and left for dead. He had been beaten with many rods. Uh, uh, listen, Paul had been in prison, incarcerated over and over and time and time again. He had been, listen, gone without food. Uh, he had uh, nearly frozen to death. Uh, uh, Paul had been through all kinds kinds of different things. He had been beaten with rods, even to the point that Paul said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, Paul was a tough individual. If you're going to pastor a church nowadays, you better be tough. I had a preacher come to me not, it's been about three, four years ago, he came to me, he said, I, he said, I really want to pastor, but he said, he said, I want to ask you about something. He said, I, I just don't like confrontation. <laughs> I said, you don't want to pastor church. He said, well, I just don't like it. I said, I understand that. I said, but if you don't like, I don't like confrontation either. And I don't want confrontation. But I said, there's going to be confrontation. If you're going to pastor a church, you better have some alligator hide. Somebody say amen. Because everybody isn't like you or like the person sitting next to you. There's some people, my friend. Hey, there's people that come sometimes. Uh, uh, listen, I believe God sends people, but I think the devil sends people too. Amen? And uh, it, But you've got to be tough. Uh, and Paul was certainly tough. But can I tell you something in this text? Uh, Paul was tired. Amen? Paul told his church, he said, you have wore me down. I'm not saying that to Bible Baptists tonight. But I would say that to anybody sitting in this church tonight that is not sensitive to not creating sorrow in a church. Amen. You see, my actions, even as a pastor, I have to be careful because uh, saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing will have repercussions. Am I telling the truth tonight? And if that's true for me, that's also true for you. I can't just blow up and get mad. I can't say whatever I want to say in the pulpit. I can't just do whatever I feel like doing because it's not my church, it's his church. Isn't that right? And I'll tell you, we have to be very uh, circumspectly about the things that we do and the way that we handle ourselves. And what Paul is saying, he's saying, church, you have made me so heavy. He said, let's get these problems straightened out and let's move on before we meet face to face. Paul was teary-eyed in this text. You say, preacher, why? Well, number one, if you go back to chapter one of 1 Corinthians, he had dealt with division. 
Paul said in chapter one of 1 Corinthians and in verses, uh, I think it's verses three, verses 10 through 13, Paul had dealt with people following the personalities of men. You remember where Paul said some said they were Apollos and some said they were of Paul. Paul was not flattered by that fact that people were following him and I don't think any real man of God ought to be flattered by the fact that people would follow him. That ought to be, a, that's an indictment against us uh, because if we're real men of God, we should be pointing people to Jesus. Jesus, amen. Uh, you're not to follow me. You are to follow me as I follow Christ. Uh, but if I deviate from the scriptures or if I deviate from following the Lord, you're to keep your eyes on him and to keep on following him. Isn't that right? And any church that's divided based on the personalities of men, it will always create, uh, it'll always create friction in a church. Uh, and Paul was tired of dealing with some people saying, well, I'm just going to be with this person or with this group of people. And others saying, well, I'll just come over over here and be with this group of people. That's not the way it's supposed to be. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter three that we are to endeavor to keep the unity in the bonds of peace, amen? That means each one of us is to do our part to squash division out whenever we see it or whenever we detect it or whenever we hear it, amen? Am I telling you the truth tonight? If you wanna have a good church, listen, you've got to help pull everybody together, not separate everybody apart, amen? Unity is so important. If there's no unity, there's no spirit. And if two people get crossed up in this church, you can lock down what God is trying to do. If there's a grudge or if there's something that is divided, you say, well, I just like this person better than that person. That's not our choice, amen. We're to love everybody. We're to love those that are easy to love and we're to love those that may be like us, more difficult to love, amen. But we're to do everything we can to keep the vision out of the church and Paul was dealing with that and Paul said, don't grieve me over this division issue. Get these things right. Oh, I wonder what God could do in our churches if people would just spend more time working together rather than working against each other. Amen. You may not agree with everything I do and I may not agree with everything that you do but we got to keep our eyes uh, on the course. Amen. We got to stay focused uh, and go forward for the glory of God. As I said, I haven't heard of anything. Don't think that tonight. But I believe God put this in my heart. I've watched families down through the years. I've watched people, I've watched them get upset with me. I've watched them get upset with the church. I've watched them get upset with the deacons over issues and things. Get sideways over something and never get it right with God. You can't sweep it under the rug. If I was to have a problem with Brother David tonight, I can't just go on like it don't exist. Now, he may be a better Christian and he may smile and treat me like there's no problem, but if I put it under the rug, the dirt's still there. I somewhere I've just got to come clean and say, Brother David, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my attitude. I'm sorry for the way I treat. And I can't go to him and say, if now, Brother David, if I've offended you. If if I've if you put that little two-letter word in there, that's not an apology. Amen. That's not you can't say to God if. You've got to be honest. You've got to come clean. Amen? And that what that does is it keeps unity. And Paul had to deal with the divisions that, and that was grieving him. A second thing that was grieving Paul was the disorder. Amen? That was in the church in chapter 5 and verses 1 through 6. Paul was dealing with carnal growth and inconsistency of saints and grudges that were beheld, being held in the hearts of people. And Paul was dealing with the inconsistency of those people and talking about how that they needed 
to grow up and they needed to mature. Hey, you know what? We've got enough drama in church. Somebody say amen. In fact, I think some people need to go to Hollywood and they need to sign up and they need to, they need to audition for some parts because I'm telling you, they're either bipolar or need to get saved or they've got some real serious issues. But whatever the cause is, they're great actors. Amen. Are y'all with me tonight? I'm only going to preach 45 more minutes, so y'all go ahead and smile and be happy. I'm talking about disorder, dysfunction in the house of God. You know what a man of God's responsibility is? It's to keep order, amen? It's not to run the church, but it is to oversee the church, amen? And listen, sometimes as a man of God, keeping order in a church can be awful. Sometimes it can keep you up at night. Somebody wants to do something that's not led of God. They come to you and they say, I believe God. You know, God gets blamed for more stuff than anybody on planet Earth. I remember a lady come to me one time and she had seven poems, front page and back. And she said, God told me to read all seven of these in the church tonight. I said, well, he didn't tell me that. Amen. She said, well, what do you want me to do about it? I said, here's what I want you to do. I said, I want you to pray for me that if it's the will of God, because I didn't want to hurt her. I said, you pray for me. If it's the will of God, if you read them poems, you pray God will tell me. And I said, well, I'll obey the Lord. I said, you know, you just sit in a service and you pray for God to speak to my heart. Well, surprisingly to her and to me, he didn't tell me that. Amen. Now, we laugh about that, but hey, there's got to be order in church. I mean, you've got to have some, you've got to, if you don't have order, you know what you have? You have chaos. And I've said in so many churches where the pastor just let people do whatever they want to do and just let anything go on, and it's terrible, isn't it? When things just happen and there's no order at all. Now, you say, well, preacher, what about when God shows up? It'll always be in order when God shows up. It'll always line up with that book. It'll always be a, we'll all, we'll all be able to witness that. There'll be a witness on that. We'll know it's the will of God. And I know sometimes we miss the will of God on certain things and trying, and I'm not talking about that, but there's got to be order. And Paul deals with the, and, and the man of God has to deal with order. And when things are in disorder, the best thing you can do is pray for the preacher. Don't talk about the preacher. Don't talk about the disorder. Amen. Don't text or call or, or, or do whatever you're going to do and say, well, what do you think about this? Or what do you think Brother Gravely's going to do about that? Because I can go ahead and tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get on my face and beg God for some wisdom that I can handle the situation the best way possible. Amen? But too many times uh, the pressure can be put on a man of God or on a church uh, whenever people get upset about things that are in disorder in the house of God. You know what happens sometimes to all of us? I think pastoring is much like this. It's kind of like a lot of times you're constantly having to pull things back in tighter. Amen. Y'all with me tonight? That's the way it is in my life. That's the way it is in your life. That's the way it is in a church. You know what? It doesn't matter how many times you tell, uh, it, you, you tell everybody just to line up this way. In three months or three weeks or in three services, you're going to have to get back up and say, well, let's line back up this way. Amen. I don't know why we do that, but we do that, don't we? Are y'all with me tonight? Now, don't get mad, amen. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help all of us tonight. And I'm telling Brother David, he can't get mad about that. It's just part of it, amen. Don't you wish you could just say, let's do it this way one time and we do it that way till Jesus comes, amen. Wouldn't that be wonderful? 
But I don't operate that way. I have to pull the slack up in my life because sometimes I see myself getting slack. Sometimes in the choir, we have to pull the slack up. Sometimes in the, in, in the musicians, we have to pull the slack up. Sometimes in the Sunday school hour, we have to pull the slack up. And it's just the way it is, amen? But that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That means we're just moving forward, amen? That means we're just trying to be consistent. It's when we just let everything unravel. It's when we just let everything go. It's just when we say, well, let's just don't say nothing about nothing because we might make somebody upset. That's when your disorder goes to chaos in the church. Even in my own life. I'll ask my wife. I'll say, go ahead, tell me. She don't like to do this, but I'll make her do it. Or I'll ask her, I don't make her. But I'll say, go ahead and tell me something. Tell me something about myself that I need to pray about. Amen. Boy, it's quiet in here, ain't it? But I don't want to be the preacher, Brother Tim, five years. I don't want to be the same preacher five years from now that I am tonight. I know she prays for me. I know she'll be truthful with me. I said, tell me if you see something that I need to pull up. I'm no better than anybody else tonight. And Paul said, we need to deal with the disorder. And sometimes it'll grieve a man of God when there's disorder in the church. When you detect that, that's the time to pray. That's the time to work. The difficulties. Paul dealt with difficulties in this church and, and it caused him to be grieved. He dealt with the difficulties of marriage relationships in chapter 7 and all things being lawful in chapter 6 and, and the reward of a, of a minister in chapter number 9. These were things that, that were uh, difficult situations that Paul had to deal with. You know, a pastor will have to deal with difficult situations. If he doesn't want to deal with those things, then he doesn't doesn't need to be in the ministry. Amen. I tell, told my wife several times uh, things would happen down through the years and I'd say, well, you know what that is? Uh, that's a two-headed snake. Amen. What it means is, Brother George, it doesn't matter which end you, you touch, you're going to get bit either way and you just got to decide which one you want to buy. Amen. Because, hey, there's no, uh, there's sometimes there's difficult things that happen in a church. There is no good outcome. Marriage is one of them. I hate divorce, don't you? And I think anybody that's saved and right with God, even if they've been through it, I've had people that's been through divorce tell me, say, preacher, I hate divorce. But you know what? Sometimes it happens. We don't like for it to happen. Sometimes things have to be dealt with. Sometimes I had somebody get upset one time because they didn't like the way I handled something years ago. And I said to that individual, I said, here's what you don't understand. There's more people involved than what you know. There's, there's families involved. And I'm telling you, when you start thinking about making a decision that is not just going to affect this person, but it's going to affect everybody around it. I'm telling you, that's a lot of responsibility. That's a difficult situation. And it's easy to, it's easy to sit back, isn't it, and, and, and look at things. You know, I used to, when I'd watch football, I'd watch football and I'd see them hand that football off to that guy and he'd start, he'd start running and there'd be a whole lot of people over here. And I'd say, well, why is he going over there? He's going to get tackled. I'm like, why did that guy not run down here and run this way? Why did he run in that direction and get tackled? You know why? Because I'm looking at the big picture. And because I'm not on the field and the ball's not in my hand. 
And it's real easy to sit back and, and be a quarterback or, or be whatever from the sideline when you're not doing nothing. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a stick me on that field and put a ball in my hand. And listen, they, them linemen weighing 300 and 400 and something pounds coming at you, it's a whole different ball game when you're looking at it from that angle. Isn't that right? And can I tell you, sometimes that's the way it is uh, in the church. Uh, we deal with difficult situations. And, and so in those times, uh, we need to pray. We need to pray for God's will. We need to pray for God's man. Isn't that right? Uh, hey, I could call somebody and say, hey, come in and preach this for me, but it wouldn't be right. Isn't that right? I think the preacher needs to deal with those situations at times uh, when they rise and when they come up. Hey, Paul had to deal with things that, that were lawful but not expedient. Well, I'll tell you, that's where we're at today. There's times as, as a preacher, you've just got to get up and say, well, we can't do this. We're not going to do this. And it may not be sinful. We're just not going to do this. You know what I appreciate in those times? I appreciate every member of this church that will support that. That will not cause a problem about it. And we just go on and serve God. Isn't that right? And I'm telling you tonight, there are more churches tore up because a pastor just tried to be sensitive and say, well, look, we're not going to do that. And somebody got upset. I was talking to somebody the other day was praying about taking a church and they said, well, there, there's this one thing. I said, you better tell them up front. Don't you wait. You better just tell, come clean and tell them right up front how you feel about it. And then they, got, they can decide whether they want you or don't want you. And if they, it's far better to do that than try to come in and just come in under radar and try to fix it then. Are y'all with me tonight? I know we're not flying high, but it's just got to be preached. And I'm saying this, that it's in these moments that when you think about uh, difficulties, uh, hey, there's, there's going, I'm going to tell you something, there's going to be more difficulties the further we go. The more we, the further this church exists, mark my word, there's more difficulties. There's probably going to be more difficulties in the next 10 years than there has been in the last 10 years. You know why that is? Because our world's changing around us. And I tell you, I appreciate, I appreciate people that will just stay with you when difficult times come. I, you know what I like about this church? A man left this church one time and here's what he told me. He said, I'm not coming back no more. I said, oh, come on. I said, we, we want you to come back. He said, nope. He said, you know what? He said, every time something happens in that church, nobody talks about it. <laughs> I said, thank you, sir. I said, you just paid the whole congregation a compliment. He was mad, Brother Lamar, because nobody talked about the problems in the church. You know what I said to him? I said, sir, let me just ask you this question. If it was your family, if it was your problem, if it was you, what would you want us to do about it? I'm going to tell you there's enough problems sitting in these pews tonight. It'd turn this whole place upside down. If I've said this once in the last two years, I guarantee you I've said it 20 times. People have some major problem and come talk to me and my wife and say, pray for us. And, and I've heard them say things, preacher, we're just, we're just embarrassed. I said, don't be. I said, you don't know how many other people are sitting right where you're sitting. I said, you got no reason to be ashamed. Some of you know I've told you that. You got no reason to be ashamed. We are, we are in a battlefield tonight. And the devil has launched an all-out attack on the home. 
He is after every Christian. He is after every God-called preacher. He's after every young person sitting here tonight. And I'm telling you, listen, I realize that it's only by the grace of God any of us are sitting in this building tonight. And when difficulties come and they arise, thank God for people that'll just put the fire out by not saying anything and will just pray and pray for each other because God knows it all, doesn't he? Amen. And I'm telling you, if a problem reaches the point it has to be brought out, then it has to be brought out. But why open a can of worms on something when you don't have to? Why not just pray and trust God and deal with it the way it needs to be dealt with and let's just go on and serve God because life is hard enough as it is. Isn't that right? And at the end of the day, I need a place to worship and you need a place to worship and our children needs a good spiritual church to go to and there's nothing worth sacrificing that over. We must work together and pray together for the cause of Christ and the glory of God. Amen. I'll ask you this question tonight. If this church blew all to pieces, where would you go? I don't know where I'd go. He said, well, I'd just go find me another one. I'm going to tell you something. I've been looking in a lot of places. It's hard to find a good church. And it's hard to find a church where the presence of God is real. We, we don't have a monopoly on it. I know that. God isn't that small. I know that. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. You, you wonder why people drive 45 minutes to come to church? Because they can't find one. Amen. I used to love to go preach revival meetings and I still enjoy them. But can I tell you something? The ratio is about eight or nine dead ones to one good one's what it is. And you go to church and you sit there a lot of times and, and you just get up and you're just preaching, trying to help somebody and be a blessing. But can I just be real honest with you? There are times I just soon be sitting at the house and be with my wife or be with some of my family or, or just be here just doing something else. I'm telling you, some places that they've been graveyard dead for years. It all starts with difficulties. And I think. Tonight, as a pastor, I, I was when God gave me this message this week. I was studying it one morning, and or studying this chapter, and I thought about the preachers. I, I had I've heard them say this. God help me. I never want it to be me, brother Charles. By the grace of God, I hope I never do this. But I've heard preachers say this. They've said, "I know some of these things ain't right." But I'm just tired of fighting it. Now, before you're critical, I don't agree with that. I'm going to fight it till the end by the grace of God. House full or a handful. Amen. But before you criticize that, when you look at them and you see how tired they are and you see how they've lost their kids, I'm going to tell you something people don't ever think about. When they put their lips on the man of God, they don't think about that. They're real people, just like everybody else. They're humans. And underneath that suit and behind that, you take that pulpit out of the way, they got children just like everybody else. You see, when my kids were small and they would hear things, my and my wife never talked to them about any problems in the church. We always wanted them to think God's people were the best people on planet earth. And I believe they are. 
But we never, we never sat around and talked about the church in front of our kids. Isn't that right? When they were little, it was easy. But when they started getting to be teenagers and they could figure out things on their own, and they'd say things like, hey, Daddy, why, is, uh, why are they acting that way? Why do they treat Mama that way? Daddy, why, I just want to know why they said that about you. Boy, that gets, that gets hard. I remember one night, I tried to explain something to my kids. I said, listen, you just, you just got to ignore all that and go and serve Jesus. I said, you serve God. And I went in my back room, Brother Steve, I fell on my knees. And I'm going to tell you something. I wasn't worried about this church. I was worried about my children. I said, God, that place can blow all to pieces. I said, but don't let my kids get bitter. Somehow you're going to have to help them to realize you ain't never done them wrong. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. I thank God. The devil could hit my home tomorrow, but I thank God that you're still in church. Thank God your sister's still in church. Hey, that's been in a good church. Can you imagine what some of those men of God's had to go through? I was preaching in Mississippi with a preacher. He said something I never forgot about. He stood up and he told about his wife. He said that his wife had started a little monthly ladies meeting at the church. I may have even, I've told this somewhere, as I may have told it here but said that she started a little monthly ladies' meeting at the church, just there wasn't hardly no women in the church. And so once a month she would get to the, with the women that was there and said she would have prayer and Bible study with them and said a couple of, uh, there's just a couple women coming to it. But said over time, said his wife, God used his wife to be an influence and reach other women and help them. And said that little monthly ladies' meeting went from two to 30 and said she was helping them. And said these women started out, said they looked to her and saw her as, as, as a person of, of, of help and influence. But over time, as they begin to grow, you know, knowledge will puff up. You got to be careful with that knowledge. And said two of those women, said that happened to them. They started feeling that they were more spiritual than what she was. And said one night she came in and she was coming to the fellowship hall for the prayer meeting that night and said as she came or for the ladies meeting and said as she walked in that night she said to her surprise there was only two women sitting there and she sat around a few minutes and she thought well they'll come on in here but nobody came and after a while she looked at one of them she said I wonder where everybody's at and said that one of the ladies said well said we didn't want to tell you but said one of the women had another meeting tonight at their house and had their own bible study and said the women has went over there. Here's what that pastor said that I'll never forget. He said, preacher, he was preaching that night. He said, he said, I didn't even know the turmoil. As close as I was to my wife, he said, I didn't even know what she was going through. He said, but the devil took that and so got on my wife with it. And said she'd lay in the bed at night and weep. Because she felt like she was no good anymore. She felt like she couldn't be a help. And said the devil had come to her to the point that she had, she had reached the point that she had convinced herself that if she would commit suicide, that he could remarry and that his ministry would be better off without her. And you know this preacher. 
And he said that when he found that out, he said he fell on his knees. He finally left that church over that. He stayed in evangelism for 15 years. He said, I think God put us in evangelism so I could heal my wife. And now he's pastored another church again. I said all that to say this. This isn't a woe is me message tonight. But it is a warning. That you never know what a man of God, his wife, or his children are going through. That's not just about me tonight and about her. You know who that's about? That's about every preacher that ever walks through these doors. You know why I think God blesses this church is because we've been so good to those men. And the truth of the matter is, if we could give them 10 times what we've gave them, you know, they're worthy of it. And none of that can remove the heartache and the pain that comes with the ministry. And it's with the territory. If you don't want to experience that, then you don't need to be in the ministry. Amen. But that's another side, isn't it, tonight? And Paul said to this church, I don't want to come to you in heaviness. I want to come to you in joy. Can I tell you something about this church? I've pulled in this church a lot of times on Sunday after a meeting, and I've said, thank God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for letting me be back in a good church where the presence of God is. Tonight as we stand... I tell you what I encourage you to do tonight. Let's pray for this church. Would you do that tonight? Would you join with me tonight in prayer? I'm going to tell you, I don't know about all the other churches in town, but I can tell you one thing. I can assure you, the devil hates Bible Baptist Church. He hates this church. God is sure as God loves it, and He blesses it. You rest assured. That devil's after this church. I don't want him to ever use me, and I know you don't ever want him to use you. And I think tonight, the church certainly needs to be prayed for. The church needs to be strengthened tonight. Father, Lord, I did my best to obey you tonight. Lord, I I pray that God, this message will stay with us. Lord, I pray that it'll help us along life's way, God. Lord, thank you for this place. You've kept these doors open. For over 50 years, 56 years, you've been, you've kept these doors open and kept a place to worship. God, I pray you'll do it for another generation. Oh, God, help me. Help us all, Lord, to just be sensitive to each other, to love each other, to care for each other. Thank you for the good unity in this church. Thank you for how you've blessed us this year. Thank you for every member. But, Lord, I know days may come when things may arise, but help us just to deal with it and go on for the glory of God help us to keep our focus right Father and we'll thank you for that tonight we love you because you first loved us thank you for every soul that's been saved thank you for Lord moving in the service this morning and in the service tonight God I pray for the young people this week Lord I pray for their for their mothers and their fathers I pray for their home God I pray this week I know that's the desire of every parent it's not that their young person would just have a good week at camp, but God, they want you to do something in their life. And we pray tonight, God, that you'll work in these young people's lives this week. Get glory and honor. Help us not to lose a one. But I pray, Lord, they'll serve you all the days of their life. And Lord, we'll love you and thank you for it in Jesus' name.